This is Glasgow Crime Stories. We dive into crime of the city's past in short episodes you can listen to anytime, anywhere. In this episode, the story of a criminal who was at the centre of possibly the most notorious miscarriage of justice in legal history. Safecracker Patrick, Paddy, Meehan, has a unique place in the history of crime in Glasgow. A notorious miscarriage of justice saw him become the first and only Scot to get a royal pardon. The drama began in July 1969, after a gang broke into the air home of elderly bingo hall owner Abraham Ross, stealing jewellery and violently assaulting both him and his 72-year-old wife, Rachel. The couple were left tied up for 30 hours, and the ordeal proved too much for Rachel, who later died in hospital. However, Abraham Ross survived the attack, and he reported that the robbers had addressed each other as Pat and Jim and had Glasgow accents. Police suspected two known criminals, Glaswegian Meehan and Englishman James Griffiths, who they heard had been in the area at the time. Meehan, then 42 from Govan Hill, was a notorious safe-blower and robber who had graduated from young offenders' institutions to prison, where he spent much of his adult life. In 1951, at the age of 24, he was charged with robbing the St Rollox branch of the Clydesdale and North of Scotland Bank in Springburn and made his first of many appearances at the High Court in Glasgow. He was involved in the robbery of the British Linen Bank in Oban and Argyllshire in 1955 and was charged in Dublin with possessing money and other property from that robbery. The same year, he blew the safe in the Bewley branch of the Commercial Bank of Scotland in Invernessshire, a crime which brought him a six-year prison sentence. By the late 1960s, he was well known to the police both north and south of the border, having also served a series of jail terms in England. From the moment detectives arrested and charged him with Rachel Ross's murder, he protested his innocence. Meehan claimed he had been elsewhere that night, but the police refused to believe him. But things were about to go from bad to worse for the career criminal. The one man who would have confirmed Meehan's alibi was killed nine days later, shot by a police gunman. Detectives had tried to speak to Griffiths at his flat in Holyrood Crescent in Glasgow's West End about the death of Rachel Ross. He knew that both he and Meehan were prime suspects for the murder and thought they were both being fitted up. With the prospect of a lifetime sentence looming over him, Griffiths decided he wasn't going to be taken alive. He began shooting at officers from the flat, hitting one in the back before escaping through a back garden. Griffiths hijacked a car and led police in a chase through the city, lasting almost two hours. In his mad two-hour rampage, he shot 13 people, one fatally. Griffiths' spree, during which he took pot shots from a rifle and a shotgun at terrified random victims, including children, remains one of the bloodiest episodes in Scottish criminal history. The siege claimed the life of one man, William Hughes, who was shot in the Round Toll Bar in Postle Park. Griffiths then hijacked a lorry, ending up in K Street, Springburn. Cornered by police, 
he raced into a block of flats, breaking into a top-floor property from where he started shooting at people below, including children. Detective Sergeant Ian Smith, a firearms specialist, was drafted in to apprehend Griffiths. Armed with handguns, Smith and Chief Superintendent Malcolm Finlayson sneaked into the tenement close. Griffiths, who was from Rochdale, Greater Manchester, ignored their pleas to surrender and fired at the officers. Finlayson then hit him with a shot through the letterbox before the pair stormed the property and dragged him out. He died from his injuries, aged 34. It gave Griffiths the ignominy of becoming the first man shot dead by police in this country. He was later given a pauper's funeral in Lynn Cemetery, Glasgow, which none of his shamed family attended. The Lord Advocate then ruled that there would be no public inquiry into his death, saying the officers had taken the necessary steps to protect the public. He also praised their bravery. Last year, in an interview for the Glasgow Times, Peter Trainer, now 59, remembered the terrifying experience as if it was yesterday. He was playing in a swing park in K Street when Griffiths opened fire. Peter, who was seven at the time, said, I hate to say it, but had Griffiths been a decent shot, he would have killed about 20 people. He was firing the gun non-stop all the time and didn't care who he hit. People were running in all directions, screaming and shouting, and he was basically shooting at anybody who moved. For their bravery, Ian Smith was given the British Empire Medal, BEM, by the Queen at Buckingham Palace. Finlayson was also given the BEM at the same ceremony and further honoured by the City of Glasgow Police. Following Griffith's death and Meehan's arrest, police said they were not looking for anyone else in connection with the Ross murder. As far as detectives were concerned, the actions of Griffiths in trying to shoot his way out were that of a guilty man. Meehan stood trial later that year at the High Court in Edinburgh in what would prove to be a media sensation. The Crown claimed that tiny pieces of brown and white paper found in a coat worn by Griffiths matched paper from Mr Ross's safe. But the robbery took place in midsummer and Meehan insisted neither of them were wearing coats that evening. He also claimed the paper had been planted in Griffith's coat by police. His defence was that he and Griffiths had passed through air on their way to case a place in Stranraer. Meehan had convictions for bank robbery, but had no convictions for violence, although Griffiths had several. However, Meehan's alibi and corroboration had died abruptly in a hail of bullets. The prosecution claimed that Griffith's gun battle with police was because he was guilty of the Rachel Ross murder, but Meehan claimed Griffiths had always said he would shoot his way out rather than face any more time in jail. During the trial, Meehan's legal team also lodged another special defence, alleging that two notorious Glasgow criminals, Ian Waddle and William Tank McGuinness, were responsible for Rachel Ross's death. However, the jury did not believe Meehan, and he was convicted of murder by a majority verdict of nine to six. His solicitor was the late Joseph Beltrami, and his advocates were two of the finest legal brains of the time, Nicholas Fairbairn, who went on to become a Tory MP and member of Margaret Thatcher's cabinet in the 1980s, and John Smith, who became leader of the Labour Party in 1992. 
Beltrami specialised in criminal law and first came to public prominence when he successfully defended underworld figure Walter Scott Ellis, who was accused of murdering a taxi driver in 1961. Thompson and Meehan had also been close associates over the years and knew each other well. In his evidence, Waddle denied that he had been an heir on the night of Rachel Ross's murder and also denied giving his lawyer a £200 retainer should police ever arrest him for the murder. But his lawyer insisted that this had happened and, as a result, Waddle was jailed for three years for perjury. Following his conviction for murder, Meehan was sentenced to life imprisonment by Lord Grant. As he was taken away, Meehan stood to attention in the dock and said, I am innocent of this crime. You have made a terrible mistake. Attempts to lodge an appeal by Meehan were thrown out by the then Secretary of State for Scotland, Willie Ross. Few believed in his innocence, apart from his lawyer, Joe Beltrami, who had good reason. McGuinness, who was also a client, had told the lawyer in 1971 that he was in fact Rachel Ross's killer. Bound by client confidentiality, Beltrami was forced to keep the secret. The case took a further twist when, in 1974, Waddle turned up at one Glasgow-based newspaper and confessed to the Ross murder, also giving information only the Raiders could have known. In his confession, Waddle accurately described the interior of Abraham Ross's home and spoke of a watch that had been taken from his wrist. This information had never been made public and was information only the killers could have known. It was what the police call specialist knowledge. When Ross was later re-interviewed, he recalled the watch, but said he had forgotten to tell the police about it. He also admitted he may have been wrong about Meehan when he identified his voice at the ID parade. However, the new evidence wasn't enough to get Meehan out of prison, with few believing Waddle. Meehan's campaign was given fresh impetus when it was taken up by the famous broadcaster of the time, Ludovic Kennedy. He named both McGuinness and Waddle as Rachel Ross's killers in a 1975 book, A Presumption of Innocence. Then, in a major development, McGuinness was murdered in a brawl in March 1976 in Janefield Street near Celtic Park. The last person to be seen with McGuinness while alive John Winning was charged with his murder, but the case against him collapsed because of insufficient evidence. Winning was also later murdered. McGuinness's death meant that Beltrami was no longer bound by client confidentiality and he could share his earlier confession with the authorities. The McGuinness family also told Beltrami he had admitted to them that he had committed the air murder and they signed authorizations allowing him to use the information. A formal appeal was lodged, and within months, Meehan was given a royal pardon after seven years in solitary confinement. Later that year, Waddle was put on trial for the murder of Mrs. Ross. At his trial, he submitted a defence of incrimination, claiming that the murder was committed by Meehan, and he was acquitted. In 1982, Waddle was murdered by an associate, Andrew Gentle, shortly after a robbery in which they killed a woman. Gentle was convicted of both murders and later committed suicide in prison. In 1989, 
Joe Beltrami published his own account of the case, A Deadly Innocence, the Meehan file, including the McGuinness confession. McGuinness had described seeing a recent operation scar in Mrs. Ross's chest and dumping rings stolen from the house down a drain in Ayr. He even claimed he had been given a lift to Ayr bus station by two policemen in a police car. Beltrami wrote, He told me all this on more than one occasion, not because he wanted Meehan released, but because he wanted to expose the fact that the police had framed him. But it was all confidential. I cannot disclose what a client tells me. This was the most agonising part of the case, because I had all this information and detail given to me by McGuinness, but I could do nothing about it. It was very frustrating. Beltrami had not only helped free me in an appeal, but he also won him £50,000 compensation, £175,000 now. However, the safecracker wasn't happy with the outcome, or Beltrami, and the case took yet another bizarre twist. Meehan claimed he had been framed for the Ross murder by British intelligence over his alleged role in the escape of a notorious spy, George Blake, in 1966 from Wandsworth Prison. In 1955, he had masterminded the escape of Terry Scarface Martin from Peterhead Prison and did it himself in 1963 when serving an eight-year sentence in Nottingham Prison for attempted robbery. At the time of Blake's escape, the world was in the grip of a cold war between the Allies and the Soviet Union. Meehan thought he could make a lot of money by going behind the Iron Curtain and advising the Stasi in East Germany and KGB in Russia on how they could spring comrades from British prisons. Travelling on a false passport, he made his way to East Germany where he was held for 14 months and where, according to Meehan, he passed on information about how Blake could be broken out of prison. Meehan claimed to have been in contact with Sean Bourke, an Irish-born prisoner in Wormwood Scrubs who organised Blake's escape and followed him to the Soviet Union. Blake, the British double agent who was jailed in 1961 for 42 years for spying for the Soviet Union, then broke out of his cell in Wormwood Scrubs in October 1966 and made his way to Russia. He had climbed out of a window when most of the prison was watching a film and scaled the outer wall using a ladder made of knitting needles. When he returned to Britain, Meehan claimed that he had warned Secret Service agents that an attempt to free Blake was imminent. The warning was then passed to the Home Office, yet no action appears to have been taken. During his lifetime, Meehan's claims about his role in the Blake escape were dismissed as the ramblings of an old crook. Following his release from prison in 1976, an inquiry had been ordered by the Scottish Secretary Bruce Millen to be carried out by Lord Hunter. After five years, its report concluded that Meehan had been present, together with Griffiths and two other men, the night Mrs Ross was attacked, and that despite a pardon, Meehan's guilt was not disproved. Lord Hunter said there was no evidence of the police fabricating evidence or a police conspiracy as claimed. It was widely criticised as a whitewash. He also described Meehan as a glib and inventive liar and sometimes a teller of fanciful stories. In 1994, Meehan died from throat cancer in a hospital in Swansea after settling in nearby Port Talbot with family members. Following his death, 
Some elements of his life story were adapted and used by the author Denise Mina in her 2005 novel The Field of Blood, with the main character a female journalist bearing his name. To this day, mystery still surrounds the murder of Rachel Ross and the links to Meehan. After his release from prison, the former safebreaker had a brief career selling burglar alarms and then double glazing. However, he continued to press through the courts for his case to be reopened. He also brought out his own book, Framed by MI5, which he wrote after leaving Glasgow to move to Wales. He repeated his claims that he had been the victim of an elaborate conspiracy concocted by the security services to keep him quiet over his role in the escape of George Blake. In his later years, Meehan could often be found hawking the book around the streets of Glasgow and at the city's central station. In his own memoirs, QC Nicholas Fairbairn wrote about the Meehan case, The police made the classic mistake, a mistake always to be avoided. Having come to the evidence that Meehan and Griffiths could have been involved, they closed their mind to every other possibility. Had capital punishment still been available in 1969, it was only abolished four years earlier, Meehan would almost certainly have been hanged for the robbery and murder of Rachel Ross. In an interview in 2002, Beltrami spoke about his latest feud with the safecracker and why they had fallen out. He said, Meehan was angry because he felt I should have acted on the confession McGuinness made to me, but if I'd gone to the police, they would simply have said I was making this up to help Meehan. If they had gone to McGuinness, he was hardly going to admit that he'd killed someone. Nothing would have happened, and I would have been in danger because I'd betrayed McGuinness, who was a psychopath. It was the most astonishing case I have ever had, and the most difficult. The Meehan case was like a giant jigsaw that took 15 years to complete. It was frustrating because I believed wholeheartedly he was innocent from the start. But getting justice and compensation for him took a very long time. This podcast was brought to you by the Glasgow Times. With a digital subscription, you can access our exclusive, insightful and trustworthy local news from just £2 for two months. We are also currently offering 20% off our annual rate with the code GLASGOPOD22. This offers for new subscribers only and is only available with the promotional code given in this podcast. Subscriptions will renew at the standard rates unless cancelled. 